Hello there. Welcome to Inspired a Galaxy. In this segment of the ORP, we discuss the artists and stories that inspired us and hope that they inspire you. And now, we present the episode. Alright everyone, and welcome back to a very special Inspired a Galaxy episode of the Old Republic podcast. Uh, we've got Cassia and Brian here with you as always, and today we're going to be talking about something that is uh, definitely near and dear to our hearts in the terms of uh, you know, marching through time and humanity and lessons to take away from it. Uh, but it's also just kind of inspirational, uh, something to Walt Disney. This was something that he had envisioned for a long time, and it finally uh, became a reality. Um, and now the world just wouldn't be the same without it. And today we are talking about Spaceship Earth. So Cassia, how are you doing? Are you excited to be digging in to the, to the big golf ball at the center of it all? I'm really, really excited to uh, talk about Spaceship Earth, and believe it or not, I wasn't the one that proposed this episode. Uh, Brian was like, do you want to talk about Spaceship Earth? And I'm like, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. kind of obsessed with Spaceship Earth, but yeah, so I'm really excited. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I threw out this uh, episode idea, uh, knowing that you loved Spaceship Earth. I was a little I was a little nervous about uh, how excited your uh, response might be, but yeah, we're definitely uh, definitely looking forward to talking about this because um, it's a ride, it's an attraction, it's uh, an iconic piece of the landscape of the world, um, and it's a, a very important part of the history of Walt Disney and his company and uh, what it was, what it became, and you know, still inspiring to people to this day as you go to Epcot and get to experience the science of it all and um, you know you really just kind of feel your place uh, within the world when you're at something like Epcot standing beneath this thing so um, let's uh, let's get into this a little bit uh, Cassia so uh, Spaceship Earth um, you know it, it's all those things we just mentioned but what is your introduction to this thing? Uh, it's kind of like when you're young you're like uh, and, like, if you're lucky enough to uh, go to Disney World or Walt Disney World on a vacation, there's, you know, the Magic Kingdom, there's, um, I forget what they call it. It used to be MGM Studios, now it's Disney Hollywood Studios, there's Animal mm -hmm. Kingdom, and then there's Epcot, which actually stands for the Experimental Prototype City of Tomorrow, you know, and when you're young, you're like, what is this big golf ball? You know, <laughs> right. And little do you know, it's not just a golf ball. It's a, uh, t to my understanding, a geodesic dome on three legs. It's white. Uh, they had uh, students from MIT test it out. So uh, there wouldn't be like a wind tunnel form or anything under it, you know. Um, but it is kind of like uh, it's kind of like the main castle uh, for Epcot. It's like kind of like the the symbol for that for the park, mm -hmm. and it houses Spaceship Earth, which is a a dark ride. Um, uh, that kind of takes you through um, uh, humanity's story, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, pretty cool. And like you said, it serves kind of as the as the Cinderella's castle or um, you know Snow White's castle of uh, Epcot, right? You walk in, it's uh, right in the center. I mean, you can't miss it. It's a, it's a giant uh, golf ball-looking thing. And uh, yeah, kind of the, the construction of it and how it came to be is pretty neat. So Epcot uh, opened in 1982 um, along with Spaceship Earth. Um, so Epcot and Spaceship Earth both just celebrated their 40-year uh, anniversaries uh, last year. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. Um, and 
uh, as a ride, Spaceship Earth, it kind of went through a few refurbishments in 1986, uh, 94, and then uh, again in 2008. But the construction of it is really kind of fascinating if you look at it. Um, you mentioned, you know, kind of the MIT studies of it and things. And basically, they put this thing together. It's a it's a big center ring, and then there's a dome on the top of it and a dome on the bottom of it, uh, which is pretty neat. And it has those, uh, they're kind of like... There are three legs, but there's actually two legs in each of those, um, and those are driven 160 feet down into the Earth uh, to support this thing, uh, which is really pretty cool. Um, and one of the things that I thought was neat about the construction of this, um, just from like an engineering perspective, is they didn't want like rain to hit it and then just fall off the sides, uh, which makes sense. You know, that's not something I would think of, but I'm not an engineer, but the engineer thought of that. So that actually has like this internal like gutter system where the rain kind of goes inside of it, hits these gutters and then is, uh, you know, funneled out into the world showcase lagoon, which is out kind of in front of it. And I thought that that was, uh, really kind of neat, uh, just from a, like an architectural and engineering standpoint of, you know, something you look at and you're like, Oh, that's just a big, a uh, big golf ball, disco ball looking thing. But you know, the way you have to make something like that is really interesting. I think. Yeah, that's not something I knew or would really think about, so it's pretty ingenious on their part. And um, kind of looking at it, you don't think anything could fit in there, but like they have the Spaceship Earth ride in there, you know? So, it, mm. so they'd have to think about a lot of things from an engineering standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, if sure. it... Yeah, if it were up to me, like, Spaceship Earth would probably be a 90-minute attraction, um, maybe okay. three hours. Like, maybe I'd have my, you know, way of water runtime and be like, we're learning the whole history of Earth, okay? Like, I don't care if you're entertained, but this is fun for me. But um, the the Spaceship Earth ride... Um, it's it's a 15 minute ride and it's kind of like a time machine themed experience um and it the theme of it is um kind of like humanity's uh story of communication through the ages um and you kind of ride um uh in an omnimover type vehicle uh, which is kind of like if you've ever been on the Haunted Mansion, it's like mm -hmm. all of the seats kind of move together and they're shaped like uh, doom buggies, you know, so it it's fun. And you kind of go through step by step in humanity's history, uh, like say through like cave paintings to hieroglyphs to the alphabet printing press and then... Um, today's modern advances um and did you know that uh ray bradbury kind of helped with the kind of like the story of the ride i did not know um you do learn a little bit about ray bradbury if you go in um uh, one of one of my favorite kind of documentary series things that you can watch on the Disney Plus is the Imagineering story, and I think it's like six episodes long, but it kind of goes through like the history of the the Disney parks and the innovation and stuff. And I know that Ray Bradbury is um, credited with doing a lot of the the writing and the script and the background, uh, you know, work and stories of a lot of you know, what goes into making the Disney parks, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't realize that he had done the actual script, uh, for this ride. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. He, he helped write the original storyline for the attraction. And, um, I, I thought that was cool. Uh, if you haven't read Ray Bradbury, he wrote Fahrenheit, uh, 451, the Martian Chronicles, and a lot of other things. He's a prolific, sci-fi writer so i thought that was really cool that disney had him help out um and everything so um and the first uh narrator is actually vic perrin which um i mean we'll kind of talk about it later but i ended up naming a character vic after him uh oh. yeah and then um the second narrator was actually Walter Cronkite. And then, do you know who the third narrator was? 
I do. Yeah, the uh, third narrator was uh, Jeremy Irons. Um, I don't know if that was a tie-in from his uh, work on The Lion King or not, but Jeremy Irons definitely has a distinct voice and uh, could lead you through the the history of communications throughout time, I think. And, uh, you know, those were kind of the first three, but now we have we have a really big name uh, leading the way. Now, Cassie, is we're in our current iteration. Dame Judy Dench is the current narrator, so... Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. And she knocks it out of the park. And uh, I don't know, like, I'm going to put you on the spot, but if you had to choose the next narrator, who would you choose? Oh, I don't know. Um, You know who uh, has been doing a lot of narration, actually uh, narrated that uh, documentary series um, that I just mentioned, um, is uh, Angela Bassett. Uh, so I think that she would be an excellent pick um, as narrator. She's doing a lot of uh, kind of voiceover and uh, narration work now. Could be kind of the voice of that generation or this this next current generation. So I think Angela Bassett would be a really good pick. But what about you? If we're fan casting the, uh, the narrator for a ride at uh, Disney's Epcot, what do you think? Yeah, uh, you know, so we have a lot of input here, but... Um, uh, my my choice would be uh, Idris Elba, so I think mm. he has a very uh, good voice, and like I think he could really tell humanity's story. But I don't know if you guys uh, have different ideas for a narrator. Please let us know in the comments down below, and you can like, share, and subscribe, and share you know the the love of Spaceship Earth. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, a love of Spaceship Earth. So, uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about kind of what the what the ride was, right? It's uh it's more or less you're going on a on a journey of, you know, recorded history and uh you know, how communications have have changed and uh therefore like a lot of um Epcot attractions, you know, kind of at least at the start and World's Fair attractions. Uh this kind of was sponsored by different communications companies uh throughout the years, but I think it is currently without a sponsor. Uh maybe we'll start a GoFundMe and we could be the next sponsors of Spaceship Earth. This is kind of like a 15-minute ride, so you're kind of getting the basic history and it's it's a starting point. It's not the whole story of humanity, you know. And mm -hmm. Like, one of my criticisms of the ride, even though I love it, you know, like, you have to be able to, like, kind of talk about the pros and cons. Like, a con I, I kind of have is, like, maybe it's a little Western heavy, maybe mm -hmm. Euro heavy, you know, but I still love the ride. It's a good starting point, and maybe, like, in the future, there's been talk of, like, incorporating more um, peoples from around the globe and kind of highlighting their... Uh, contributions to humanity's story so uh, that's good but mm -hmm. yeah for yeah. sure and we I mentioned kind of the refurbishments so 1986 1994 and 2008 but most of those refurbishments were really done to you know add stuff on to the end as we're coming up with new and innovative ways of um, you know, communicating, uh, you know, I think it added to like a, like a video game and a computer, um, like in that first one. And, you know, it just keeps kind of, kind of broadening, but Spaceship Earth was scheduled to be, um, taken offline in 2020 to do kind of a next, uh, set of, um, you know, implementing, you know, whatever they're going to be implementing next, but that got put on the back burner, um, when the, you know, pandemic shut down the parks and things, they put kind of all of those projects on hold, but, uh, I would imagine that it's going to be getting some sort of update here in the not so distant future. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what that is, you know, what, what technologies have we come up with since 2008? Is it going to be more of this, uh, manned space exploration? Is that what we're going to be looking for? But yeah, hopefully like you, um, just said Cassia, hopefully it's really, uh, looking at, um, you know, the histories and communications of, you know, cultures around the world and, you know, getting it to be a more inclusive spaceship earth. Yeah. And when you, when you start off in the ride, um, you kind of go through a star tunnel. It's kind of like you're going back through time. And you kind of hear, like, I, is the musical term a limotif? Uh, yeah, I believe, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and I, the current uh, music was composed by Bruce Broughton. 
and I don't know if like in each iteration he composed the score or if or if he's just done like the current one, but um mm-hmm. so it's it's what's cool is like when you're like in each room, like there's a there's like that uh common pattern, Lemotif and then in each room it kind of changes. Like if you're in an Egyptian room, it kind of sounds Egyptian. Or if you're like in the Renaissance, it's kind of like a chorus, like a hallelujah chorus. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a fun detail. But so the music evolves with you. But uh, after you go through the the star tunnel, uh, where uh, Dame Judy Gench kind of tells you like the history of humanity, uh, like kind of like through communication, you kind of land. Um, uh, you kind of see some animatronic humans uh, fighting a uh, woolly mammoth and she kind of explains like um, how like language was a huge um, uh, development in the history of early humans like because when you're able to communicate you're able to uh, teamwork and able to uh, hunt woolly mammoths even though I'm kind of against woolly mammoth violence because I literally have a plastic woolly mammoth in my room and I just love them so much you know yeah. but uh, pro pro woolly mammoth here on the old republic podcast for sure yeah and then you kind of see like the same humans uh kind of telling the story of the hunt uh through cave paintings and you kind of see like uh the drawings kind of come to life on the walls like uh through projection and that's kind of cool um and uh but they kind of say like kind of the shortcomings of the cave is like you have to be at the cave and like sometimes like the uh what's on the wall can be from like you know so many years ago so it's like uh their caves are not like uh you can't carry a cave with you easily you know mm-hmm. and sometimes the context is lost um so uh the ride goes forward um and it kind of heats up and uh it, it kind of you go to ancient egypt and um they invent papyrus and it's a portable um way to uh kind of have documents uh as opposed to cave paintings and um it leads to you know developments like taxes you know for better or worse like but that's how you get civilization you know mm-hmm. um did you kind of have any thoughts on the on the cave section or the egypt section no, I think it's um, what Spaceship Earth does really well is it, you know, obviously it's going through kind of, you know, our our history as, uh, you know, human beings and, and how how we get there and, you know, the advances. And yeah, you, you mentioned that you can't take a cave with you and, and you invent papyrus, but um, it's, it's really kind of interesting because, it, you know, you... <laughs> I guess maybe peripherally, you know that, like, like in the back of your mind, yeah, that makes sense. But it's it's neat to see it kind of laid out in this timeline fashion, where you're really seeing. I don't I don't want to say that they're they're shortcomings, right? Because they were a, a product of the time and the place and the the skills and the tools that were available to them. But you know, really, just as um, you know, human beings, how we're able to to kind of adapt and create and propel things forward, and that's you know, something that's happened throughout, um, you know, throughout time, you know, uh, and it's, it's neat to just see it, you know, put out on display, uh, linearly where you're not, you're not reading it and having to kind of, you know, just make those connections within your mind. You're actually seeing, uh, the way and those steps being made. And that's uh, really neat, I think. Yeah. And then after Egypt, you go into another room and you see Phoenician traders, um, so like, kind of like one person's like at a dock and you see the Phoenicians in a boat. Um, and this is actually, I believe, um, something that would change in the refurbishment is, uh, instead of Phoenicians, there would be Maori people, 
looking at the stars and the the constellations would kind of come to life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff and that would be an interesting change and it kind of incorporates Moana you know in there mm-hmm. like not like literally her but like uh you know like the story of the Maori people um right yeah absolutely and it it kind of places this importance of um you know the the means of communication right papyrus was was a means to to write down whatever you needed to write down and uh send it on its way but it really um you know something that you and i are both uh very passionate about is you know storytelling and story creation and you know the the story of communication is about you know relating you know facts from point a to point b but it's also in sharing those stories too so yeah absolutely seeing um seeing things like the stars come alive and see you know how different um cultures interpreted those and you know uh, develop those into their own stories and mythos and things like that um you know super interesting yeah i mean the word history has story in it you know so uh uh that's part of a culture is their the stories we tell and how they get passed down but uh Anyways, um, the current uh, ride shows Phoenicians, Phoenician merchants uh, uh, kind of selling goods to faraway lands. Uh, and then, like, sometimes, like, each civilization tries to communicate with each other, but sometimes they can't understand each other due to their language barriers. But uh, the Phoenicians, they didn't invent the first alphabet, but they kind of... Um, kind of like made more of a simple common alphabet so it's easier for uh people to trade and communicate um so that's interesting and that's uh where we get the the word phonics from and phonetic so it comes from uh the phoenicians and then you go to ancient greece and then you see a teacher teaching a class uh, about math in ancient Greek, but uh, back in the day it used to be uh, they were putting on a play of Oedipus Rex, um, but they changed it uh, so it's math, um, which I'm not really a math, you know, (laughs) fan, but it's important. It helps us, you know, have the kind of life we have today. but uh any thoughts on the phoenicians or the or, or the ancient greeks no i think it's um it's just interesting from kind of the the timeline of of history kind of up until that point we're seeing um you know within the confines of this ride you know kind of the kind of the tools of communication being built and um you know, being figured out and worked out uh, by these different civilizations. But then you get to like the Phoenicians and the the Greeks, and they're really utilizing the the means of communication more as more as tools, right? To to do things, to um, you know, start uh, you know democracies and uh, taxation, as you'd mentioned, and um, you know, able to to do things like like hold census and things. They're they're really using these tools of communication now as opposed to just a a storytelling and you know fact medium they're really starting to use it more as more as a tool to really start building you know what we think of now as civilizations of communities of you know cities and uh, things like that yeah and then piggybacking on ancient greece we have the ancient romans uh and we kind of see like kind of what the ancient Romans brought to the world of communication is the network of roads they would build and kind of stretched all all across Europe and like there's that famous saying like all roads lead to Rome uh and it's kind of cool on the ride because um, it's kind of a forced perspective picture, but it's kind of like lit from behind, so you can kind of see where like all the roads kind of like uh, originate from the point, and uh, you kind of like see some chariots kind of taking off and stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's so cool! <laughs> like, 
maybe not as cool as a mammoth, but you know, chariots, chariots are cool. So chariots are pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, they developed a new technique, um, at the, it does need the Imagineers did. Cause I, I believe at the end of the, the Rome section, you actually see Rome burning and, uh, the room starts to, uh, kind of fill up with the, uh, the smells of, you know, what a, what a burning city would have been like. And they had to kind of develop that. And that was, uh, created, yeah, by the Imagineers here for this ride and, uh, Spaceship Earth, some sort of a smell vision thing. They had a fancy word for it, but I, I forget what it was. Smellitzer, I think. Yeah. Um, so- so, so that's yeah. that's kind of neat to, yeah as you mentioned it it keeps kind of changing the perspective on what you're seeing um in the ride so it's it's really <laughs> you can kind of look at it you know from the outside and say well i'm just you you you're sitting on this ride for 15 minutes going through time but it, it really has a way of immersing you uh within this timeline uh that makes it interesting and why you know this ride has been going strong for 40 years yeah and it's a it's a cool way to get people curious about civilization like uh even though like I would call myself like someone who loves history like it kind of like got me like it put questions in my head and it's like oh like some things I just took for granted you know like uh why the advent of papyrus you know is so important like you can't take caves with you in your pocket you know Mm-hmm. And, um, it tells the story of humanity with all the senses, you know, like, and it really does smell like Rome is burning and you better believe that I actually have the candle based on that <laughs> scent. Oh. I think it's literally called Rome burning. So I have it and it smells, it's, it's actually kind of a nice soothing kind of smells like a nice fire, you know? Um, okay. Yeah, so I have that candle, because I, like, during the pandemic, kind of got, like, every candle ever, and that was my hobby, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. No, it's, um, it's interesting, and they, they say that a lot about the sense of smell, is that it's really kind of this, um, it's like our strongest, like, memory association thing is the smell and how it can take you to a place. And, and yeah, it does, um, it's just this added layer of immersion into, into kind of that time period. Because, obviously, you know, uh, we here living in 2023 don't really know what living in ancient Rome was going to be like. But, but yeah, somehow it just kind of hits on all of these senses and you really get a feeling, you know, just for, uh, you know, a minute or two uh, in this ride, you know, what, what that might have been like and <laughs> looked like and smelled like, so. Yeah, I mean, I can wax poetic about candles all day, but um, pun. <laughs> that's on the that's on the candle pad, the candle pod. Yeah, uh, but what's interesting is um, who burned the Library of Alexandria? Julius Caesar, the uh, Library of Alexandria. Uh, that was something else we talked about on an episode of uh, Inspired a Galaxy. Yeah, um, one thirty-seven. Yeah, yeah, Hypatia. Uh, there, yeah, and. You know, Alexandria, you know, is a is kind of the the first and foremost big collection of these means of communications uh, that the world had. I mean, certainly it wasn't the only one, but um, it's probably the most famous one, maybe for its demise as much as its uh, size and scope. But yeah, so the fall of Rome and uh, the burning of the Library of Alexandria kind of like happened at different time periods, but for the purpose of the ride, they're kind of like put together, but you kind of lost a lot of the world's recorded knowledge when those events happened, but um, there's hope because Jewish and Islamic scholars uh, preserved uh, the recorded information and they they continued to progress uh, in science and that's kind of where... uh, the information that uh, kind of came back to the West in the Renaissance was saved, and that's where it comes from. So we we owed them a debt uh, because they preserved it. So, yay for knowledge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, preserving knowledge, and that's, you know, that's as important a uh, part of the, the knowledge in the first place, right? If you know how to do something, it's important to to share that um you know which is a very simplistic way of saying yeah to the sharing of ideas and uh knowledge uh throughout humanity or throughout human history is you know uh, a very important uh aspect of what it is to be human i think yeah and then 
uh, kind of like through that uh, saved recorded knowledge, um, we get um, we get the Renaissance, and you kind of see it's kind of funny because you go to a, like in the right, you see a monastery where biblical manuscripts are being copied by hand, and then there's one monk who's just like asleep, and I'm like, that's that's kind of funny. But um, then the music, it, it noticeably like changes to a hallelujah chorus and uh, you see Gutenberg kind of doing a, like creating a, a movable type printing press and it kind of makes it so you're able to publish books and they don't have to be, you know, recorded by hand. Um, and so you're able to disseminate more uh, information and um, then we see Michelangelo painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So that was my first, you know, uh, like glimpse to the Sistine Chapel was literally the Spaceship Earth raid. So yeah. that's kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of funny, but you know, it's it's um, I I don't know. I I keep saying that all these things are interesting, but um, you know, kind of the kind of the fascinating part about this this ride and going on this journey is it makes you think of you know forms of communication that you don't necessarily uh, think of. You know, beyond you might uh, you might think of papyrus and you know, kind of the the invention of uh, writing paper. You might think of something like the printing press as being important. You might think of, you know, things will, you know, you get in through the ride. You know, the radio and television and stuff like that as being important forms of communication. But uh, somehow, kind of lost in that, at least at least in my brain, maybe I'm way off base here. But you don't think of, um, you know, just painting and art as being an important you know, form of communication. And certainly that is, that is true of, you know, kind of all, all time periods and all, uh, types and styles of art, but especially through, through the Renaissance when you're having, um, you know, sort of the, um, Christianity is taking roots and, you know, this art, you know, served as a means of, uh, communication and, uh, display of, um, you know, strength and, you know, spreading, spreading that word through, throughout uh you know kind of the kind of the whole world you know just this other form of communication that you know when i if you say hey brian what's communication you know i, I certainly don't think of uh stuff like the sistine chapel but yeah certainly that you know fits just as well as any of the other uh mediums that gets talked about on this ride yeah and the fun part about the sistine chapel is if you kind of look behind god like uh the thing behind him looks like a brain, so I'm like, is it supposed to, like, literally be a brain, or is it a coincidence, but it's something fun to think about, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then after the Renaissance, it, it kind of jumps uh, in time to, like, the post-Civil War North, and then you kind of see, like, uh, syndicated news reports and um kind of the industrial age like because we saw gutenberg's printing press but then we see like just newspapers being printed one after another like uh on an industrial sized printing press and it's kind of like uh, an advancement in the in the age of mass communication and um then you see like uh telegraphs to radio to telephones and movies and then Apollo 11 landing on the moon which is uh which features Walter Cronkite so it's kind of funny like back in the day <laughs> when Walter Cronkite was narrating the ride then it's like if you listen to the Apollo 11 it's like that sounds like the narrator you know <laughs> like <laughs> that's so. right yeah it's, it's very meta having uh Walter Cronkite talking about uh, himself uh given that news report you know that that very famous news report um yeah for sure and um you know kind of love all this stuff as we get into our more uh recent history and you you start to see kind of the kind of the culmination of you know what those those early things the the cave paintings and the papyrus you know propelled us towards as you get you know closer and closer to our uh present day uh sort of timeline yeah 
and it kind of all happens at once. Like it's like we don't like have uh, thousands of years, hundreds of years, or even decades separating like the next advancements. You know, like it's all kind of happening at once. Uh, and then we kind of see like the large computers, uh, which would take up a room. And then it, they talk about, like, how some people were like, what if, like, it didn't take up the size of a room and you kind of see the invention of the personal computer in garages? And um, then it kind of, uh, you kind of go to, uh, uh, Wikipedia calls it a cupola of the spaceship Earth, mm -hmm. like, and the ride and the music kind of crescendo and you you see earth from space so um and you kind of like see stars and like a little planetarium and then you kind of descend and um currently um like on the ride there's like an interactive um i guess like kind of like a mini game where it's like you can imagine different futures and stuff um, mm -hmm. so you kind of play that as you're descending backwards. Um, and then that's the end of the ride and you exit. So what do yeah, you think right. about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, uh, you do kind of, as it's, as you're going, going, I guess, kind of, kind of backwards to our own, uh, sort of present day as the ride is winding down. Yeah. You're, um, given some prompts to, you know, sort of lay out your own, um, kind of perfect future which really kind of lies in with what uh walt disney um himself wanted out of epcot he meant you know kind of in his own kind of theory for it is to be the sort of um utopian uh sort of thing right where people come together and um you know have open discussions and learn and you know have all of this education as this uh you know kind of utopian thing and um it's really kind of getting back to um Walt Disney's vision here kind of at the end as you're um, able to kind of, you know, think about uh, what a perfect future uh, could look like as you go um, back and in, back and in, backwards in time. I don't know, forward, uh, you know, whatever, you know, time to time to to your your present day as you're uh, spending your day at at Epcot. And yeah, the the ride ends and it gives you uh, kind of a lot to think about, which is really the neat thing um, for me. And I think for uh, you as well, Cassia, you know, as people who really like to to learn and um you know kind of kind of be challenged and ideas and things like that that really was what epcot you know set out to be in 1982 it was a it was a place to to go and have fun but certainly um you know that is rooted um you know within within these um you know sort of scientific ideas and uh different ways to think and different ways to explore what thinking was and learning was and and all that so great stuff yeah, and um, I forgot to mention, uh, but uh, before you load on to the Spaceship Earth, there is a huge mural by Claudio Mazzoli. You kind of see, like, uh, the ride in microcosm, you know, like, the main parts that you see, like, are cave people, um and then like people on a space station but if you look behind it it has like all of the beats of the ride uh leading from one to the other and um uh claudio mazzoli um he actually did like a lot of the concept art for this ride too like for the renaissance and some of the cut stuff which i'm kind of glad that like um christopher columbus wasn't part of the ride um, mm -hmm. uh, but there was some concept art of him and originally the dinosaurs were going to be a part of the ride, but I think like, rather than having it be a history of the entire planet, they decided to make it humanity's story. And then mm -hmm. kind of like from there, like what really kind of like, are we trying to, um, tell a story about? And they kind of like, were like, I think communication is an interesting way uh, to, to tell humanity's story. So, um, sometimes you have a lot of big ideas and then they like, um, and then it's a good starting point, but you're able to become more focused and, uh, see what you want to focus on. And 
I think it's good rather than like being like dinosaurs, <laughs> cave people, spaceships, right. you know, like it's kind of the, the story of communication. Yeah, I think it's definitely an interesting take, uh, you know, looking at the at the history of uh, humankind, because, yeah, certainly you can you can go to a lot of um, now you can go to oh, you can go to um you know, a bunch of like natural history museums. And that's kind of what those are, right? They're the, they're the timeline of, of the planet basically, right. Of, you know, volcanoes and dinosaurs and uh, caveman and, um, you know, into, into, you know, kind of present day, you know, uh, modern humans, you know, you get kind of that timeline, but to present it and, um, you know, not necessarily of, you know, these were, these were the people of that time and what they were doing. This is, this is how they communicated with each other. Um, I think is, is really interesting and a really fascinating way to, to look at it. You know, when you take something like spaceship earth, which is, you know, literally kind of a, a metaphor for, um, you know, the planet that we're on, you know, as being a literal spaceship, you know, hurtling around the, the sun through, um, you know, through the stars and, and things like that. And, and to, you know, really take it down to, um, you know, as, as, you know, humankind, you know, what are we really, um, except for, um, you know, communicators and, uh, sharing ideas and thoughts and opinions and stories and things like that. So it was really interesting, uh, take on telling, you know, that, that timeline of history story and, you know, tweaking it and presenting it in a way that is thoughtful and thought provoking. Yeah. And sometimes I hate the word edutainment, but uh, <laughs> I I think that uh, Spaceship Earth like uh, does a really good job of getting people uh, curious uh, about learning, about history, about communication, and uh, curious about humanity's shared story. Um, and I don't know, because I was a nerd, you know? Um <laughs> I ended up creating <laughs> a concept trailer that, you know, like, is a fan-made trailer for a Disney Plus show that will never happen, um, kind of, like, about, like, if they ever wanted to adapt Spaceship Earth into a show, like, how I think it would happen is, um... You'd have a group in the future, like two groups, because um, the future's in jeopardy and uh, the way they decide uh, to, to fix the past is by kind of examining how things were done in the past. And uh, you'd kind of have one group kind of start in the future, like the age of computers and everything, and then one kind of like uh, in, in the prehistoric, like when they're hunting mammoths, and then they kind of meet in the middle. And mm -hmm. kind of, like, they'd kind of, like, have, like, uh, some people would be like, what can we learn from the past? What can we learn from, like, um, the future? Like, what problems did that cause? Um, how did they come up upon these solutions? Like, kind of learning lessons from all over the world. And, like, as they're learning, uh, the viewers would be learning about different cultures and stuff. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where it kind of came from. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to have Marcus voice the citizen of the future for me. Um, and I'm going to have, uh, the great, uh, Dennis Mowers, you know, uh, I kind of told him about like Spaceship Earth and I'm like, yeah. And it's kind of like in the ride, there's like a, a limotif, you know, cause I don't know how to pronounce that word. And, um, then I'm like, it kind of changes in each room of the ride. And, uh, he kind of like brought that, uh, to be, you know, and it sounds really great. Um, it's inspired by not a copy of it, you know, so for mm -hmm. copyright purposes. Um, but, uh, so we'll probably, uh, kind of attach the audio and maybe 
on the YouTube video, like just like have the video at the end, but um, mm -hmm. it's like the citizen of the future kind of talks about the future is going down an uncertain path as you kind of see the white planet Earth and then it kind of turns red and he says, our best hope is to take the path that was created one step at a time, humanity's path, our path, the past. And it kind of like turn, it goes to the cave painting times and then it turns into uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics, wine feathers and patterns um, uh, to, a Greek, to a Greek map of the world, into Paiute rock art, um, and then uh, into the burning scrolls of the Library of Alexandria. Um, and then uh, the following images would appear briefly, like relics from the Middle East, uh, and then illuminated manuscripts from the Middle Ages, Renaissance paintings, gears from the Industrial Revolution, the first telegram, and then uh, the moon landing, you know? And then, um, then you kind of see like a white geometric sphere uh, and it flashes multiple colors. So it kind of looks like the golf ball, but then it turns multiple colors. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to name this robot Vic. You know, it's like, because in Spaceship Earth, I'm like, where could you really, like, incorporate the white golf ball look? And I was like, what if, like, the people from the future, like, had, like, a little, like, floating robot, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of small. And I was like, I would name it Vic, you know, after the first narrator. Um, yeah. and then I kind of wrote a scene where Vic, uh, lights up the cave and scans the cave's interior, um, as it follows the citizen of the future. Um, and then the, the citizen of the future walks toward a red stenciled hand and they put their hand up to this stenciled hand and the screen goes dark. Uh, before they press their hand to the wall, and then um, Vic takes over the screen, looking like the iconic Spaceship Earth. And then uh, Vic, you know, like, scans all around and then scans our screen, and then the title Spaceship Earth appears and then fades out, and that is my conceptual fan-made trailer for a Disney Plus show that is never going to happen based on Spaceship <laughs> Earth. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I, I love that, um, you know, kind of this, this ride and this golf ball, um, you know, they came into being in, uh, 1982 to, to serve the purpose of telling, you know, the history of, you know, people communicating and, and how we did that inspired you to go on and to tell your own story, you know, to, to communicate, uh, your thoughts and ideas out and, uh, put it out there and yeah it was it was great to have uh you know friends of the podcast marcus and and dennis uh both come on to help you put this thing together and it's it's a beautiful um little tome i guess to uh to spaceship earth and to you know you know how it how it captured your uh heart and mind and you know kind of propelled you into into wanting to see it and stories from it uh further into the future and i think that that is um you know just just really great and i think that that is really lying within the spirit of you know what epcot center and what spaceship earth was meant to be what the idea behind it was was to inspire thoughts and creativity and you know imagination and um i like to think that you know epcot was born of you know this this crazy genius mind of walt disney but really it was it was a place for the imagineers to sort of build a place that was was for them and you know it takes a take a lot of inspiration from that i think that that's that's really great and yeah we'll definitely put a link to the full uh you know version of that um story uh here in the show description we'll uh link to it in the uh the youtube video as well because yeah it's definitely definitely worth uh watching and checking out and would love to get you know some more people's uh feedback on on what you had to say about uh spaceship earth cassia yeah uh, thank you, and 
I guess if you have any thoughts on uh, Spaceship Earth, uh, the little teaser, or Epcot, or, you know, anything in general, just uh, let us know. And did you have any closing thoughts, or you ready to go? No. Um, uh, the only closing thought I have here is that um, as of recording, I'm actually going to be at Epcot Center here in uh, about uh, eight days, something like that. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, checking it out because I haven't been to Epcot since uh, I was I was very, very young. So uh, it was not that far off of <laughs> from when it first opened. I think it was 1989 when I was there. So I'm interested to, to go in, to see it, um, and to see all of the the things that it has inspired, you know, within, uh, Epcot center. So definitely, definitely looking forward to it. And, you know, now we have this, uh, episode, uh, here so I can take all of these, uh, little factoids and, uh, things that we just discussed and, uh, take that with me as I go on the ride again myself. Ah, I'm so excited for you and sort of jealous. Cause I, I love the ride so much. It's been a while since I've been on it, but, um, I guess, Instead of saying, may the force be with you, uh, I will say, may the spaceship Earth be with you. Always. The future. Is going down an uncertain path. Spaceship Earth. Inspired a Galaxy is an imprint of the ORP and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. And you can connect with the ORP on Twitter. It's at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And the ORP and Inspired a Galaxy podcasts Patreon can be found under www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. The Inspired a Galaxy theme was composed by Alistair Shoreman. Alistair can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. This episode of Inspired a Galaxy has been brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. May the force be with you.